Hello, my name is Dawson Bradford, a passionate farmer who, along with my lovely wife, Lisa, run Hillcroft Farms, a mixed farm in the upper great southern area of Western Australia. Right, oh, I'm going to ask you a question, Dawson. How prepared was that intro? <laughs> well, maybe slightly. <laughs> can't, can't forget the good wife, Andrew. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, I still think that's our, our most, we can't for our 200th episode in a couple of episodes. And uh, we should actually do just one episode just of introductions. <laughs> just just pull all the introductions that everyone's done and, and throw them all together. That'd be a terrible episode, just introductions. Yes. I don't no, know. Plenty of good ones and plenty of rough ones, but yeah. There's more, more rough the, ones. Uh, <clears throat> no, no. The uh, the highlight one was still Bob Catter. I think that was. I don't know where Bob was going, but that was all right. Yeah. yeah. So we had um, now. I, I bumped into you at a West Australian Pork Producers Conference a few weeks back, Dawson in WA. I was presenting there, and um, then you got up and spoke afterwards as well. And you had some very interesting stuff uh, that I thought was worthy of uh, podcast podcast time, which we'll get into in a minute. But first of all, we got to start with our sixth sense just to. Just to check you out, make sure you've got the mental capacity to endure the podcast. Yep, sounds good. So we'll fire off uh, either a short phrase or a, uh, a one word, and you just come back to us with a short phrase or a one word answer that um, you know, first thing that comes to mind. Um, Andrew, do you want to kick it off? I guess. Not yet. Crocs footwear. Potentially. Gosh, they're not good starts at the start of the two <laughs> most important things, Andrew. <clears throat> the state of the pig industry. It was looking to be uh, a bit of oversupply, but it's uh, it's balanced up and looking positive again at the moment. Uh, running your own feed mill. Has its challenges, but... But um, rewarding. Favorite music, favorite band, probably Foo Fighters. Oh, okay, right. surprise one. That's a surprise. What about the state of the sheep industry? Well, that's, that's a bit. That's a bit rich. Man, that's a bit what? cheeky. Why, why is it a surprise? I don't know. Just, just what? It's kind of not what I would have uh, expected. Keep digging that coal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wasn't going to go with Taylor Swift or anything like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was what I was thinking it was more relevant, um, given her love of lamb recently. What about the state of the sheep industry? It's certainly got its challenges, but long term, um, great potential, great opportunities. Very good. Yeah, so it's quite a it's quite a mixed enterprise you got there. Dawson, you want to give us a quick <clears throat> rundown of actually what because you grow you're cropping as well, aren't you? Yeah. So we've got a um, we've got a five thousand hectare farm here that. The cropping sort of uh, ranges between two and three thousand hectares, depending on the on the season and the and the number of sheep we've got on hand. Um, we've got that fourteen hundred sow farrow to finish piggery as well. And at present, we've got about eighteen thousand ultra white um, sheep on farm, which are both commercial and and a and a sheep stud as well. So it keeps us so busy. Hey, is that so? You got family there that are kind of involved in that process too or how are you actually managing all those different enterprise uh, mixes there yeah so obviously um my wife and myself run it um 
mum and dad are still on the farm as well. They uh, they do a lot of the sheep work. The sheep stud's been his passion um, pretty much his whole life. He, he's always had a strong affiliation with, with sheep. Um, I've got one son home on the farm and one's just about to finish uni this year and, and a daughter as well. So between those and a, and a team of about 18 to, to 20 full-time guys, um, yeah, we uh, we keep the operation going. And I should clarify, so Dad's Dawson Bradford Senior, is that right? And we've got Dawson That's Bradford Junior. Right. Yeah, so That's right, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was just chatting to one of your uh, uh, kind of uh, West Australian farming uh, celebrities in the name of Harold Seeley this morning, and I mentioned I had you on. Well, we're going to record the podcast, and he he alerted me to the fact that there's a Dawson Bradford senior because he, he just said senior or junior. I didn't know at the time that there was either of, of, of the senior junior. So we've got just to clarify for those listening, so they know exactly which one we've got. Yeah, it used, it used to be easier getting called junior when you're in your twenties <laughs> and thirties. In your fifties, it's uh, it's a bit of a bit of a long bow. <laughs> And so, is there is there a Dawson Bradford the third one of the sons, or you, you've haven't continued the legacy? No, no, no. The wife was pretty clear on that when um when when the uh, phone messages got mixed up a few times when I was younger. So uh, no, we've got Jack and Michael and and the daughter Chelsea. So okay, oh, yeah. So, but it's quite a mixed. I mean, uh, that was one of the things that struck me. Uh, there's a lot of places that do do mixed enterprise farming, but yours seem particularly. Um, spread across a whole range of different enterprises. And and one thing that really stood out uh, was the feed mill. So do you want to give us a bit of a rundown of what you run in there in terms of the feed mill and and what was the kind of idea behind that? Because that that's kind of it's, – it's, is that a reasonably recent thing you've been doing in the, in the overall scheme of things? Uh, so we've um, we've always milled our own grain for the for the um, pigs. Um, it's just one of the – one of the ways that we've been able to keep our costs down um, with no freight bringing bringing um, feed in from Perth or um, um, a- a extra margin added on by the milling companies. So the um, the mill we've got now, that is um, about 2014, we built that one. We bought it in from China um, and it's been, it's, it's been good. The, uh, the company that that um, that build at Zhenchang. I think they were the first um, first of the Chinese companies to build a um, pellet mill in China back in the early nineties. I think it was, and um, it was obviously a copy of of one that they found in in North America. But um, but no, they've been good to deal with, and a, a crew of about I think there was about twelve or fourteen came out for, for four months and and built it um, out on farm here in in Narragin, So. And and so is, I get. I imagine that's got a dedicated kind of staff that run the mill. Is it, or how how did the operations of it work? Like, did you have to bring in some more expertise in that space at all, or do you just kind of be able to pick it up as you went, as the, as the as the existing staff? Yeah, we we grew into it. Obviously, so we've always been milling just with hammer mills or disc mills um, and mixers, and then we originally we put on a pelleting line on the end of that. Um, so we grew grew our knowledge as we installed that, and then we went to a fully automated um, one-ton batching system. Um, and, yeah, the local guys we had at the time, that they, they managed to step into it with a bit of training from the, um, from the Chinese guys. But um, just recently we've had a couple of um, 
good young Filipino boys come across from, they actually came out of the Middle East where they're running um, big feed mills over there. Um, so, yeah, so we've really landed on our feet with the with a couple of guys we've got running that. What do you do with the nutrition and stuff? Do you have a nutritionist or like a consultant you use? Or? Yeah, so we use, a, there's not a lot of nutritionists in the pig industry, but we use one out of um, one out of South Australia, Tony Edwards. So um, as our grains vary during the year or mm. if we get um, get varying products offered to us, we'll uh, we'll reformulate the diets. It's not a big job. Mm. Um the, the the biggest the biggest delay is waiting for a for a good accurate um, analysis of the grain. We need a bit more than just protein. We need the energy available to the pigs. So um, that, that's so, the slowest part. So using using a lot of your own grain, yeah. Are you buying in grain from other farmers nearby, or do you have? Yeah, enough? so we um, we do we do grow some of our grain sometimes, and um, if there's better money in in um, in growing other crops, we'll grow that and buy grain in at harvest. Hmm. Um, yeah, so we're in, we're at the top of the Wandering Valley, which is a very frost, which is the coldest um, yeah. coldest part of WA. So we we're a bit limited with growing um, or going early if we get an early start with barley and wheat. So we tend to grow a lot of canola, oats, and hay. Um, traditionally, a lot of barley as well. But the last few years, just with the Ritz profile of cost of cropping um, escalating. Um, yeah, we we and, and we had a very early start this year, probably our best start on record. So we pinned the ears back and went all oats, and it looks like it might uh, might work out. But on the flip side, feed barley's got pretty expensive, and we've got to buy that for pigs too. So, and you're running the mill just for your own use, or you're not supplying anything else outside of that. It's really strictly for the for the pig feed, and that's it. Yeah, so we build it um, purely for ourselves. We've we've helped a few people out when mills are broken and and that sort of thing. But generally, it's just our own, and we've built it with a with a bit of capacity that we can probably go up to sort of that twenty two twenty four hundred sows if we want to in time. So um, it's not working hard. So consequently, it's not giving us too many problems. It's, at the not, it's not it's not breaking down every week. Yeah. <laughs> so, not yet, well, anyway. Quick, quick quick question for you. Yeah? Like Matt and I used to have a pig farm. Uh, which we sold a year ago, pretty much today. Yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah, coming up. Yeah, no, yeah. it was last last week actually, last Friday. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, where did all that time go, Andrew? No. You're not missing. You're not missing the pigs. It's all the time I've got extra. That's the thing. <laughs> all the spare time I had to take up new hobbies. Um, the manure. Like one of the big things in Victoria was that we saw as a big challenge was that in the fullness of time, manure in Victoria was going to become a hazardous waste product. And so instead of being able to sell it or get rid of it easily, it was going to be an absolute nightmare to get rid of it. What's the status of that in WA? Can you get rid of it or are you using it on your own farm or what are you doing with it? Yeah, so we're just going through exactly the same problems now DWER have seemed to change how they classify it, and all of a sudden it's classified as a waste product. So now. they're doing they're doing it Western Australia now as well. Yeah, yeah. So we're just working through the industry's working through with them now, and now they want everything composted on site um, before before being shifted off site. Um, at the same time, they've said to to us previously, if we if we can show that we can use it without causing um, any pollution issues through runoff or odor um they're willing to look at that and accept that but 
on the flip side, then they'll, they'll say that they want it composted. Um, so, yeah, so the industry's in a bit of um, – we're, we're, we're working through it to see what we can see what we can do, but um, some of the piggeries on the coastal plain, the plains there, um, yeah, they, they just haven't got room to, um, to, to compost it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so they've got some uh, – <clears throat> They've got some issues down there, but we're a bit lucky. I mean, we've still got to run with the same um, same protocol, but we do have um, we do have that five thousand hectares that we can that we spread can spread it. our effluent over. And I'm pretty confident if I can work with DWER and show that we're not putting any runoff off and not um, not causing excessive build up of phosphates in the soil, we sh- we should be all right. Hopefully. Oh, so your your goal would be to utilize it, utilize as much as you can on farm anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, we spread it yeah. all on farm. Yeah, well, traditionally yeah. we have we'll have to be careful of that going forward until we uh, until we get these new protocols sorted out. It's, it's, there's, t- there's this conversation just between you and us anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hopefully they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> there's um the other aspect as well is that with regard to your actual pig sheds, is it is it like a deep litter system? Because we had those eco shelters. At the farm we ran, but I think from memory, from the because you're you're actually going through the process now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're also building new sheds for your pigs. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, we um we we are we've got weaners on straw or deep litter. Um, yeah. but yeah, the rest of the um all the sows and the uh, and the growers are all on um all on fully slatted floors with pull plugs. So we do have that liquid effluent. We uh, Traditionally, we've been spreading out on crops as well. So um, yeah, which is a slot. That's a slightly different process to the stuff we had when you got all the straw mixed in. It's a, it's a different type of waste, then, isn't it? Yeah, but we've still got the same um, same nutrient issues, and luckily we haven't got a lot of neighbours where we are. So um, in in terms of smell, it's it's not a big issue. But um, but yeah, we are uh, we are building three new sheds as we speak. Um, we. We do all our own building on farm as well. Build all mm. our well, when I when I bumped into it um, at the Whopper conference, you didn't smell like a big farmer, so you must be using you know you must be able to manage it fairly well. Because I know yeah. after when we used to go down and visit sometime, yeah. Andrew, it would it would the, the smell would linger around us. I don't know what the secret is to get rid of it quickly. But... Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any uh, any uh, surefire method to get it out of your skin after a day in there in summer. It, uh, it's the smell that lingers, and the more you sweat, the worse it gets when you're out. <laughs> so you, I never got used to it. Like no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with that. Pick, no, pick no. farming is a distant memory for me. I've, I've even even, with it. even I've... thinking back on it, I think, geez, that was a stressful time. Yeah, well, I, I've I grown up I, with it and only ever had three weeks of my life without pigs, so you, you do get used to it. Yeah. I, I, you, you must be, uh, for some livestock, some some people are attracted to certain livestock and I think you either like pigs or you don't. I, I quite enjoyed the pigs. I thought they were right. The smell didn't bother me that much. I mean, it, they do smell, but, you know, so do lots of other livestock. Um, but, yeah, I quite liked them. And, and the manure itself, because that deep litter manure was fantastic in the garden, so I, I miss the manure definitely. Um, but yeah, Andrew and I had different views on it. Different but views no, on. no time to run it. You, so you mentioned you are you're in the process now of building. Um, this is like upgrading the existing, uh, the older sheds now, and you're transitioning to a, a different type of a, uh, a shed structure. But the other thing that impressed me, Dawson, is I got the impression that you're actually doing all this build yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
Yes, we're building three new sheds. We're decommissioning two old ones, so we're not expanding. Um, the, the, there's uh, there's no no extra pigs on site if anyone's listening. But um, we uh, the, the, it's it's sheds that are no longer fit for purpose. Um, that they were built in '82 and just part of our renewal renewal process to to keep the piggery looking modern and 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 giving a good environment for both the pigs and the people to work in. Um, we're building the, these three new ones. Yep. And what's what's the incentive to to do it? Like to basically manage it all yourself. Like obviously you've got lots of things you, you're doing with your time, but then to add on an, an infrastructure project like this, where you're doing the works all yourself, is that is you know what's the what's the idea there? Yeah, it's it's just cost. As, as soon as you get as soon as you get contractors in, your your costs just blow out. So you return on your on your capital investment, um, just, just it has to be so much greater. But we um, we've always worked on the theory that we'll have extra labour. Um, we want to make sure we've got labour when we need it for the farm. We we used to do a lot of hay as well, but um, so we we need a lot of labour most of the year. And if you're relying on on um, casuals coming in, it, it gets very hard. So we've worked on the philosophy: we'll we'll have full time people and and we'll do these building projects. Um, quiet in, the, in the quiet times, so <clears throat> it's um yeah, it's been challenging the last couple of years. We, as I said, we had a big expansion back in fourteen where we built. I think there was about eight or nine sheds we built in in eighteen months there. Um, we haven't even done three easy ones in eighteen months this time, just short of labour. Yep, mm. and it's, it's funny when, it's, when you mentioned labour as well. Yeah, that was one of the big issues we had was we couldn't get labour. Like we're just now impossible getting labour and it's an impossible task to get decent labour was the problem. Yeah. What are you like? What are you finding with your labour? You've got a lot of permanent staff that have been there a fair bit of time. A lot of Filipinos, I'm guessing. Yeah. So out of the piggery, they're all um, so there's 11, 11 guys up there, guys and girls in the piggery there. Um, nine of them are, are Filipino, one Brazilian, and, and one Australian. Um, very hard to get very hard to get the Aussies to come through and yep. we've been on on um using the Filipinos for oh geez be 12 14 years we don't do it because they're cheaper they actually cost more than local labor but they want well, to they're good they, workers yeah and they turn up their um they've well, got good values and with and, and that and they know pigs as well. They're, they're, oh, that's they're, right. they're yeah, very knowledgeable, very well trained as well. Is it, is, it, we had is it hard to get them across, like visas and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's not easy. Um, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, but they keep changing the rules. And yeah. obviously during COVID, it was very hard to get them in. But yeah, generally once we get them in, they tend to hang around for, oh, we've got some been here for seven or eight years now. We had a couple that did their 10 years. So yeah. Um, yeah, generally they'll hang around if they we supply housing for them, and they're, they're all living in Narragin. They've got a good Filipino community in there. There's, yeah. there's a lot of them in, in other businesses, not just pig farms. So it's it's a good little community for them. Yeah. So would you then have so that the the pig staff don't necessarily then come and help out with the cropping side or do anything on the sheep side of the business? You've got kind of dedicated teams for different roles. Is that right? Yeah. So the the pig guys stick to the to the pig work. They do a little bit of maintenance, not much. Um, we've got a couple of good sheep guys that they do all the sheep work and they don't do anything through the piggery. And the farm guys, the cropping guys, they're the ones that we build um, 
build pig sheds and and yards and construction in the uh, in the quiet times yeah. in the seasonal times. It's an interesting concept that I mean, from coming from well, an economic economics yeah. background, you, you kind of it was the old adage that the way you do things cheaply is you specialize in certain key areas and and bring in the experts to get them to do it. But it sounds like your approach is to just to, to save money. You're doing it all yourself, and it, it kind of it's counterintuitive to to economic theory in the sense of that specialization of labor and you know, being able to do something quickly and cheaply because you're the expert in the field or whatever. Um, but you're finding that this works for you and, and your model. Yeah, and certainly if you if you built if, if you had big projects, you'd need a bit more um bit not bit more supervision. But but yeah, we've got access to some good building guys in Narragin as well that that come out and help us. Um so we've been we're we're very lucky in the area that we are that we that we can get concreters and um blokes to polish it when when we need it because one of you you're probably got two two and a bit hours outside of perth itself yeah so we're just on we're 160k southeast of perth yeah, so it's just two hours from the city yep so, so then in terms of the in terms of the enterprise mix would would you say is the pigs the main kind of you know for, from the farm enterprise mix is the pigs the main gig or including in the feedlot as part of that because it's there to supply them or is it fairly is it fairly balanced out across the the different aspects of the business? Yeah, so pigs are about fifty percent of our income. Um, Cropping is about twenty five percent, and then sheep, um, the ultra whites, and the starter is the other twenty five percent. So, yeah, we, we are fairly balanced now. Um, it did get a bit out of hand there for a while, but um, certainly cranking up the sheep is has given us an, a, a, another bow to, to ride out a, a few of the tough times, which can happen in the pig industry from time to time. So that's sh- been... Can, that- can happen in the sheep industry as well, I guess. That's um. So the sheep are a relatively recent development then. And did, did you go straight to shedding? Like you, you didn't consider going down a, a Merino style, given WA so Merino dominant, you, you kind of shedding was the, was the option? Oh, no, we've always had merinos up until oh, the 2004 or five, somewhere around there. Um, we've always had a pole dorset stud. So dad started a uh, a pole dorset stud in 1972 and his father had one before that. So that's where his um, love of sheep came from. And um, so, yeah, so he obviously he got crook in um in the early 2000s and uh, had a um, bit of cancer which which laid him up for for a couple of years and he wanted to uh, he wanted to stay involved in the sheep industry but he wanted to um he, he knew that he he wanted to sort of or had to back the workload off and so that was his um his desire to, to develop the ultra white breed which is a, a breed that's that he founded and and he registered and it continues on on farm today so so that's it. So it's, it's all they're all shedding now. There's no there's no other different types there. It's it's predominant shedding sheep. And and the, I presume now they're over though that number of years they're they're pretty, you know, you don't have the ones that have got still bits and pieces hanging on the backs or whatever. They're all pretty clean. Yeah, so we haven't shorn since um twenty fourteen. So it's just on uh, twenty thirteen, I think, just on ten years since we uh since we shore anything. And 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 the bit of the stuff we're shearing to start with, we actually, we actually graded up the pole dorset. So we had a um we had one of the highest performing 
um, polled orsa or, or meat studs in the country. So we wanted to um, take the good parts out of the dorper and put them into into the um, into the polled dorset. So um, they both had their faults. Where the dorper was a bit slow growing and and not not big, but was was terrifically hardy and, and the pole dorset had a lot better carcass but it had wool on so we had to mix the two of them and to get to a um to get to a, a um a, a cross that was suitable to handle the the um the dry conditions and and especially when we went into droughts back in uh, 2010. So um, how long how long was that because I presume now you're at the stage where you, you're comfortable with the genetic mix you got by and large in terms of that that process so how long was that transition from going to, to get what you were after in terms of the the outcome that ultra wide outcome yeah so around 2005 was the first year we we crossed the dorper with the dorset um 2010 i think was the first year we sold a couple and we just kept crossing them back so basically they're a, they're a three-quarter um dorper and a quarter pole dorset just been stabilized back so we've crossed them back um to get that type and and that's probably what differentiates the um the ultra white from some of the other composites the other a lot of the other composites that uh, that they bring in bring in breeds as they need um and there's, there's merit in that um but it does affect the the stability and the and the type of it or the uniformity of type of animal and and um that's something that we've been mindful of um for for the processes we've got a we've got a I um, present lines of animals that, that are peas in the pods and if they're not bred true to type, um, you do get a lot of a lot of variation. And so moving away from merinos from the old days, you, like I presume back then when you were still running merinos, you would have been also availing turn off into the live export space, but that, that wouldn't be the case now. I'd, I'd imagine you're not doing anything in that space given what you're running. Yeah, obviously, when we're running wetters, yeah, we're we're involved in the live export. We very few, if any, of our animals go on um, live export now. But but at the same time, I I do support that industry. We need it. Um, mm. We just need all the marketing avenues we've got and and safety valves when uh, when things go go wrong, like the like the season we're having um, in parts of WA and and certainly the east coast. It's it's just the more options we have, um, the whole world doesn't want um, doesn't want frozen or chilled meat. Some of them still like it for their religious festivals. So um, I'm a big believer we've, we've got to give the customer what he wants and um, I'm, I'm certainly a strong supporter of of the need for live export out of WA and, and ultimately mm-hmm. out, of w, uh, out of Australia. How much is that, like the, the current um, government plan to phase it out, even though we're not, we haven't got full detail yet, but that's they're still pretty, pretty definite that that's the intention. Um, how much? Like I know we've seen, you know, obviously in the sheep market suffered a bit across the board nationally, but it, particularly in WA, it's been particularly harder on 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 the producers there. And how much of that do you reckon has been this drop in confidence around what's happening or what's potentially scheduled for LiveX? Yeah, it's definitely that. It's just definitely just a confidence, and it's it's um it's pushing right back through the shippers and and the end the end users through the Middle East as well. I mean, if 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 they can't um, guarantee supply or we can't guarantee them supply of of live animals going elsewhere, I mean, of course they're going to start looking elsewhere for their um for their live animals, and um it's yeah it's it's just disappointing that we've um 
we, we've been regulated out of it. The, it. It all went back, and even when SCAS first came in, and the stocking densities came down, and and I've got no issues with 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 the um, densities coming back to make the uh, the trips better and make sure those mortalities that that weren't accepted don't happen again. But um, but and to so lose three months of the main shipping time, is, and I think that's the that's the start. Yeah, that's the key thing that people seem to be forgetting is that yeah. okay, we've got a live export ban or phase out most likely coming but that three months of the year was the peak demand period matt was yeah, it pretty much yeah yeah and, yeah. So it, and it, it's actually if you look because it because it's slightly different for different destinations in the middle east so it kind of actually is more four months because it starts about mid-may these days uh and then it finishes about mid-september so um yeah it's it's a significant time out of the season when there's just no but, but that's um, what that's it's the moratorium that's caused most of it like the angst on in sheep is because of supply. There's too much supply. Yeah. But it's the moratorium that's causing the biggest impact when it comes to live export, not the phase out. Yeah. Well, the yeah. phase out yeah. phase out is a thing that's gonna have an impact in a year, two years' time, three years' time. But the moratorium is the one that's actually having the sort of the clear and present actual impact. And people yeah. forget that 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 came about. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think it'll change, but yeah, obviously with the way politicians run now, and there's only uh, there's only a few of us left in the bush nowadays, so there's there's not a lot of votes that how, they're, uh, gonna that say, they're how, trying to appease. But how, how many how many votes are they going to win by turning it around? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, it's just that social license bloody one they keep rabbiting on about, and how we define that, and who who gets to. Um, decide who has social license and who doesn't it's it's very frustrating in, to but, anyone in the in the ag community and p- pigs, just, p- pigs as well haven't been haven't been spared from animal rights activists you know we saw they're constantly at the forefront of getting attacked by animal rights activists that del force guy with his maps of maps of farms um then you had him was it was it was the del force as well who went into yeah. that piggery yeah, it was him. It was him. Not that, not Pegger, uh, in, in the abattoir. Hit up in top yep. in top. Yeah, top yeah, yeah, correct. Yep. But what 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 do you think? There's a future for that. Do you think like the last one that he did when he went into the gas chamber, whatever you want to call it, didn't get that much attention. Like it didn't. It, like I think APL and Margaret did a pretty good job of just been a bit of a, a straight bat onto it, and it didn't give the flames that it required. Or mm. the, the animal rights activists wanted. Yeah, and that's probably the thing that's changed in the pig industry over the, over the years. We always wanted to keep our heads down and and not stand up and um and and defend our our um our industry and our practices. And that's certainly something that's came out. And and Margot's performance through the um through the Senate estimates there resonated with a lot of people when they when they saw the. Saw what these groups were doing. Their, their their end goal is not is not animal welfare. They just want to stop animal farming. Full stop. So, I'm a I'm a big supporter, a, a big advocate of of getting out there and and showing the industry what we do. And we're big advocates for continuous improvement. And and if there's better ways to do things that are that are economic as as well as beneficial to the animal, that the industry will pull in, and any ag industry will pull in and and do that if if it's if it's for the better of if there's a better way to to do practices in 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 any of the industries. So, but we've just got to be united and and don't get sucked in by this 
we've lost our social license because who 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 says we haven't? Who says we haven't? Yeah, everyone likes bacon. Yeah, you know that that's the social license right there: bacon and pork belly. Uh, black, Practic- black pudding. Black, 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 black pudding. pudding. That sort of as well. Yeah. Because you what? failed. You. You yeah. fa- I have to say, it, be frank. Oh, no, 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 no. He he failed the test on haggis and crocs. But on black pudding, is black pudding is a, is that a, a valid dish, Dawson? In your view? Uh, well, as soon as we're out of legs, shoulders, and chops, we're we're right into the fifth quarter. <laughs> Now you mentioned um I just going back a little bit because we touched on that live export and it didn't I, there's one question I wanted to ask you because you also have just come off the back of this year's ram sales right and and with obviously the shedding varieties you've got there has been a little bit of discussion around um in particularly in WA now with with sheep farmers maybe considering getting out entirely if they don't like the way live X is going to head um or the other alternative is for um, those that are they're running, you know, say a, a mostly merino flock presently, they might consider keeping with the sheep, but switching more across to those shedding varieties. Did you? What was the kind of feeling at the ram sale? And 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 it's, do, are you starting to see there's interest from farmers that haven't previously had those types or asking you questions on how you how you transitioned um, yourself? Do, do you think that's going to be something they'll take up, or do you think it's more like they're just going to, you know, those that are cropping a lot and running sheep are just going to get out and just stick with the cropping? Yeah, certainly, certainly some will get out, but there are a lot of areas in the in the state, both in the uh, in the dry country as well as the the wetter country, that are just not suited to to full cropping. So um, pe- people will always have some sheep. Probably the biggest impediment to people getting into shedders at the moment is actually getting rid of their existing um, existing merinos or or ewes. Um, all of a sudden, you've seen their values probably dropped by 70, 75% over the last 12 months. And a lot of people aren't prepared to to um, accept that loss or drop in value. Um, certainly the ones that that um, that want to get into sheep, it's a great time to, to buy sheep. It, it's cheap. The uh, the uh, markets, markets will turn around. I mean, wool's a great product. Um, it's not going to go away. The trouble is, as far as we see, and, and most people... In the wool industry, see, it's just a sheer shortage, and unfortunately, that problem's not going to go away. People are not young; people do not want to seem to get into that industry and um and take it up like they like they did in in generations past. So, um, yeah, so uh, I think there's a strong demand, a strong future for for sheep, mate. As a pig farmer, we've been trying to get the Muslims to eat eat pork for a long time, and we haven't got them across yet. So. <laughs> Odds are we probably won't. So yeah, I think that's uh, that would be an uphill struggle. <laughs> uh, it's about as about as much struggle as we've had getting Australians to eat black pudding. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you just got to have a, a a fine balance there, Andrew. Because if too many too many people realise the value and the supreme taste of black pudding, um, then it'll be too expensive for us to go. And, you know, on our little meagre. Analysts but that, that, won't, to... that won't be a problem because we'll be getting our shell checks from the black pudding, <laughs> big big black oh, pudding that's, industry. That's true as well. That's true. That, that hopefully they'll look after us. You think? Hopefully, with, um, yeah, with some um, discounted product. <clears throat> so, given all the the juggling you do um, there with all the, the different things on the go, what 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 would be the main things at the moment? So, is, is there a top three of things that keep you up at night these days, Dawson? In terms of what what you worry about. Um, regards the enterprise and what you're doing probably not 
I tend not to stress about a lot of things. It's something I've I've always I've always been lucky like that. I've I've always worked on the assumption that doesn't help, and uh, invariably it doesn't. But probably the uh, the biggest fear I have is uh, is an EAD in um in livestock being um, half yeah. our half our business. Well, three quarters of our business in in sheep and and pigs. Um, even if you've got one like LSD come into the into the top of um, of Australia and all of a sudden you can't export beef, that all comes on the market. That'll just crash, crash the lamb and the and the pork as well. So it's all very well and to, to think that LSD won't affect the sheep or the pig industry. It will. Um, and you saw ASF the way that runs around um, Southeast Asia up there. Um, mm. It wasn't far, wasn't far from us. And WA is actually. Um, we've actually benefited through the Singapore market, through the uh, through some of the islands of Bhutan up there, going down with ASF earlier on in the year. So um, it just shows you how you can uh, you can have wins from it, but geez, when it gets in here, it'll it'll cause us some pain. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's it's potentially particularly with with LSD, it feels almost like it's a matter of time. You know. I mean, African swine fever was a concern for a while there, but that's kind of fallen off the radar. FMD is always a lingering one, but again, the way in which both of those have to come in, there's probably going to be some kind of a breakdown in that, in that, and and people carrying it in. Whereas the LSDs, the one lumpy skin is um is something that can just blow in on the wind, mm. um you know, which is but it's it's yeah, it's, it's it's a fair point you make too that just because you're not yourself. In the cattle game, doesn't mean it's not going to affect the value of your product. Mm. So that that is that, that is definitely the uh, definitely the thing that that I ponder most, and how we can protect ourselves from that. And with the um, with the exception of going full cropping, and, and that certainly got its risks as well. Um, yeah, we we've just got to make sure our hopefully our our, um, our borders are maintained by the by the biosecurity experts and. I think they've done a reasonable job, but then you'll see the uh, varroa mites managed to get in and they've lost control of that now. So it's it's always in the back of your mind. But once it gets here, it'll be very hard to get out. Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge <clears throat> is maintaining those borders. But look, we've had, more recently, we've had bubonic plague in Australia when foot and mouth disease. So I think like we sort of give a bit of we always sort of flat, give a bit of flack to the government, but I think the biosecurity borders are pretty strong. Mm. Like compared, like if you travel anywhere in the world, you don't get anywhere near as many questions or as many checks as you do in Australia. Like yeah. I'd like, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world that, like UK, you go into the UK, you can take in, you have a lamb over your shoulder and they wouldn't even care. Like <laughs> they, they, they say, oh, there's a nice jumper you've got there. But like, in Australia, when my mother comes over here, like she's thrown away like packets of Haribo, thinking, "Oh, you know, better not bring those sweeties off the plane," you know, because she's seen those TV shows in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, Border Force, whatever it's called. Yeah. So apart from LSE, <clears throat> apart from the EADs, the um, climate doesn't really worry us. We're in we're in a pretty uh, we're in a pretty safe area where we are in WA, so we're quite lucky there. Um, Labor, as long as we can still keep bringing in in skilled migrants, um, if they ever shut that on us, the uh, the intensive industries are in a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. Do you have Do you have a lot of, 
Do you have a lot of turnover? It sounds as though your staff have been there quite a while. Obviously, every business gets some level of turnover staff, but do you, yours tend to hang around, tend to be longer-term you know, uh, kind of operators rather than having to churn over regularly? Yeah, no, we've been we've been very lucky um, there over the years. We, um, yeah, I, I try and work with the guys and make sure we don't expect them to do things we won't do ourselves. And um, yeah, most of them most of them tend to hang around sort of that five to ten years. So um, we don't begrudge anybody wanting to improve themselves and taking the next opportunity. And certainly some of the uh, the skilled migrants that have come out from the Philippines, some of them have gone off into the mining industry to 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 do different things. So. Um, yeah, it's we're willing to train our guys, and as long as we can get access to people we can train, we're um, we're, we're happy to do that. And what what about um, with regard? You mentioned the kids, two boys and a girl. Are they there? You said some are, some are studying and one's still on farm. Is that right? Are they are there plans to hang around long term as well? Do you think, or or are you going to lose them to other sectors? No, so the so the two boys, so one finishes Marcus Oldham this year and the other one goes goes there next year. So um yeah, so hopefully Jack the oldest will, will come home full of enthusiasm and uh take a bit of the pressure off us. Um yeah, and obviously the daughter Chelsea, she uh she's not quite sure what she wants to do yet. I, it, it would be good to get her back into the in the farming business and I'm I'm sure it's big enough that we could that we could use someone in marketing or something like that, but she uh she hasn't uh, expressed that much desire, but no, it'd be great to get Chelsea and the boys home. So, but yeah, the boys are definitely want to go farming. So, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm curious. Yeah, just it's a personal question to an extent. Like you, you've running a business that has sheep. It's got cropping. It's had hay in the past. It's got pigs. It's got what eighteen stuff. Yep, <clears throat> but what what drives someone like you, or other farmers like yourselves, to then go and be a local councillor, uh, but also on like the APL board, the WAPA? Like, what? How do you find the time, and why do why do you see the value in doing that? I guess. Yeah, I I certainly enjoy it. I, I enjoy advocating for um for things, and certainly the local council is it's um it's one of the one of the uh, it's not a rite of passage but it's a, a lot of the farmers have, have done it over the years and there's not many of us Around. not a lot of us in each shire now so um yes i've done nine years there just stepping down in the next few weeks um in terms of the pig one i i really enjoy the pig industry um the pig industry 30 years ago 35 years ago when i left school was was so different to what it is now there's a lot of little farmers and backyard operations and it was it was it was a bit of a hillbilly setup so to speak but and now then, and, then, um, and then and then we left last year <laughs> but now it's, it's it's so professional every everybody that's in it now the corporates are very professional and they bring a um, they bring a new level to to pig production as well but but even the family farms that, that they're all big businesses now and uh the beauty about the pigs, you, you can control your own destiny. You, it's you, you're not subject to the elements. So yeah, I, I just like advocating for the industry, making sure that the um, like I'll be involved in the standards and or model code review or standards and guidelines going forward. Make sure that um, make sure you have people on there that are that are interested in the in the whole industry, not just themselves. And certainly, it, 
it takes away my time from the farm here, but we've got a uh, we've got a great crew of guys working for us, and um, hopefully when the boys come back, um, it'll make it even easier. So, but yeah, it's just something I enjoy doing, and the people you meet through it. Yeah. Like so what's the other what, day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a downside. There is a downside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking that's why we got out of the pig industry, Andrew, because it was becoming less hillbilly. Um, you know, I had to go and buy myself a banjo just to try and bring some hillbilly back. Um, what so with regards to um, uh, what you were you just saying there, Dawson, about um, you know about that kind of um, uh, you know having to having to put back into the um, you know to, or, or be you know kind of uh, I guess think beyond your farm, isn't it? Is that kind of what mm. you're you're saying that you can't you can't just kind of um, focus in and, and and look internally all the time if you want to um, make a difference for the industry more broadly? Yeah, and and certainly locally, we've got to make sure that these towns remain good places for for people to to, to come and live. The people that haven't grown up here, we we we've got to make sure they've got the facilities that. That will entice them to, to live down here in the country because they, they certainly miss out on a lot of facilities that that are available in the in the cities or, or even the big towns um but yeah we've just got to try our best to to make sure that they're good communities with with good infrastructure um so yeah and 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 make people want to come here if, if you haven't got facilities or or it's tired looking communities we we, we can't get people to stay or, or can't attract new people to the area and and so what's next on the agenda? Is it chickens or eggs or cattle or you're going to run something else? You just keep expanding to different different uh, livestock types. No, no, I think oh, alpacas. <laughs> what were those ones? Those South American ones you looked at, Andrew? The small koi or whatever they're called, or hamsters. Koi, koi, guinea pig. Koi? Yeah, guinea pig. There you go. You, small... can get, you can get a much bigger stock and density of guinea pigs than you can Berkshires or whatever else. Yeah, you know. No, no, I don't. I don't think we need so many more enterprises on the farm. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the boys want to do when they want to come home. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I always like growing the business. I don't like sitting still. But it'll certainly be good to get them home and let them start driving it and see what position, what what direction they want to take it in. Yeah, branching out and investing in an off-farm in, uh, analysis firm in agriculture could be could be some consideration there. Dawson. Oh, yeah. I, I might not be smart enough for that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Well, we you can see we're getting silly, so we're probably uh, getting getting uh, low on time. And I, I'm imagining you're uh, you're pretty busy uh, there anyway with all these things you got on the go. So it was good to it was good to have you on um, to have a chat and just see some of the you know that kind of innovative thinking and and you know like I said at the outset doing a lot of that stuff. Um, that normally you sometimes see people bringing people in to do, you, you, you know, to um, it's quite a, a refreshing thing to see someone kind of give having a crack at everything, pretty much. Hmm. No, we we give it a shot. We don't do don't always do it well, but we uh, we we're not not afraid to give it a shot anyway. So it's the best way to do it. At least yeah. you know, at least when you you've got the full responsibility of it. And if you make a mistake, it's your mistake. Yeah, no. you got to own it and move on. And uh, I can guarantee there's been a few of those over the years. But yeah, we uh, put them behind us. Don't dwell on the past and and keep going forward. So mm. easy peasy. Yeah, but, all right, no worries. Well, thanks for um, thanks for coming on. I'll I'll try and catch you next time I'm over in the west again. Um, 
But um, yeah, appreciate you uh, getting on and having a chat with us. Um, it's been good. No, appreciate that, that, guys. And as I said, love love listening to your podcast. You you uh, create a bit of humour and bring a bit of education to the bush as well. So oh, well done. So looking yeah. forward to catching up next time you're over. There you go. Get, All right. Thanks get, very much. Get some oh, pork. Yeah, no get, some, get some pork on your fork. Get some pork on your fork. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See when you got nothing on.